it again. Coming to center, a pass over the line to Gordy Howe. Gordy Howe shoots one. Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio. I'm your host Kyle, and on the line with me today we've got uh, we've got four of us today. Uh, we've got JJ, we have Joe, and we got Michelle. Everybody, how are we doing tonight? Yo, I'm good. Yeah, JJ yeah. is yo apparently. He feels yo. I don't got the low yet. Oh, oh. Michelle, how are you doing? I just saw you like uh, what I don't know, seven hours ago, eight hours ago. I'm 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 doing fantastic. That's really great. exhausted. But, oh yeah, but good. The long weekend, the long weekend for a lot of us, whether you were out enjoying the weather uh, or in Traverse City uh, attending the Red Wings training camp, um, seems like uh, it was just a busy, busy weekend, a lot of stuff going on. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's, uh, I, th- I think we should just dive right into it. We got all kinds of stuff to go over. Um, uh, the first thing we're actually going to talk about tonight is the Prospects Tournament, which took place in Traverse City a week ago, uh, ish, a week ish ago. Um, you know, the Red Wings, they, they did really well. They, they, they took second place, uh, in the, in the tournament, uh, which, you know, obviously it's not what we want. We want them to win, but second place is, uh, it's better than last place. Uh, despite, despite not winning the, uh, the, the, uh, Matthew West, uh, like Memorial Cup, you know, the Wings, are, they, they had a good show. They had a great showing of, uh, of a lot of young players who, who look like they're, they're actually ready to make, to make the, uh, the step into the, uh, you know, the next step to the NHL, whether it's either the NHL, it depends on where they're at in the NHL, if they're in the OHL or something. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, Michelle was the one there doing the coverage for us. She did a fantastic job. Hopefully, uh, a lot of the listeners got to read what she had, but, uh, yeah, I learn. I always learn stuff when I, when, when this, you know, when, when the tournament takes place, um, just because of the way, Michelle analyzes uh, the game. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Michelle, who who obviously you know, there's the big names, but yeah, talk a little bit about what uh what you saw and what what you liked, what you didn't like. Go for it. All right. Well, like you mentioned, the Wings did take second place, but they only lost one game in the tournament, and it was the championship game. So they they still did have a really good outing. I mean, they they had a fantastic team. And the big names that you would expect to be good, like Dylan Larkin and Andreas Athanasiu and Anthony Mantha, those guys were good. Tomas Nosek, like those were the guys that were scoring a lot of the goals. They were the leaders on the ice when you needed a couple goals to come back from a deficit. Those were the guys that you looked to to do it. But it was kind of like an, another level. And it's been, it's always a lot of fun to watch the guys come back from year to year, you know, like to watch. Andreas Athanasiu from his first year and then watch him the next year as he kind of takes another step and another step. Um, but there were a few players too besides the big names that really impressed me. Um, and when I when I look at the kind of my expectations for the players coming into the tournament, I have different levels of expectations. You know, you have the guys that are returning or 
you know, like Dylan Larkin, you just you expect him to be good because you know that he's good. And then you have guys like Evgeny Svechnikov and Vili Sarajarvi who are new draftees and they're coming in for the first time. And they're um, what what's expected of them is a little bit different. You know, they're not necessarily expected to come in to shine, but this is an incredible learning opportunity for them. So you kind I kind of analyze it with um, different levels of expectations on the players. But one of the things that's really cool to see is players like Evgeny Svechnikov. He really impressed me in the tournament. And I didn't have high expectations for him necessarily because it was his first year and he was real jittery in development camp. But he was one of the players that kind of, like it almost felt like a kind of a coming out party for him. You know, it was the first time I've seen him look that comfortable on the ice and almost dominant at times. Um, Vili Sarajarvi, uh, you know, on defense was fantastic. And Joe Hicketts too. I mean, like those were your, your go-to guys and they're 18 and 19 years old, but they did a fantastic job. Um, Jake Patterson and Nett, this was, this was an incredible tournament for him. Uh, he went back to juniors last year for his overage year and, it benefited him a lot, and this was like the Jake Patterson that I saw in this tournament. He was confident. He was calm. He's improved his technical game. He was out at the top of the crease, challenging shooters. I think that he, if he were in Grand Rapids, he could be challenging for the starter position this year. Like that's how much he's grown and matured. I mean, there, there are so many players that did just a a fantastic job. Um, yeah, one of the things I like to see is uh, Point Streak actually has like a lot of stats from the tournament, which is yeah. fantastic for for somebody who didn't get to go and watch. Um, and you can see, you know, there's uh, Noshek, Athanasiu, and Larkin all uh, led the Wings prospects, uh, scoring five points each uh, in the four games they played. Um, Noshek's yep. were the big; he had three goals. Um, but you see, Larkin had in those four games he put 16 shots on goal. And that's uh, that's really good. Um, you know, uh, Noshek has to see you. Tyler Bertuzzi, even though he only got one assist on, in the tournament, he put 10 shots on goal during those four games. Um, so you could, you know, you could tell, like you said that he was playing well during that, that tournament too. Um, yes. The shots just weren't going in for him, but he was taking plenty of them. And over a four-game span, eh, sometimes you get unlucky, so that's what that's what happens. But it's good to see that, that at least on the score sheet, he was he was making a name for himself. Yeah, and even when he wasn't scoring the goals, like he's still that's one of the things that's awesome about his game is we know that he has you know the offensive capabilities. Like we've seen it. We saw it really come out in juniors and we saw it in Grand Rapids. But even you know, every player's gonna go through periods where they're not scoring and things just aren't quite clicking right. And you know, that that's the way the game goes. There's ups and downs. But one of the cool things about Bertuzzi's game is that even when he's going through those stretches and he's not necessarily putting up points or scoring goals, he still has an impact on the game. Like you still notice him. He's out there, whether it's pissing other players off and like drawing penalties or getting under their skin and getting them off their game or hounding the puck chasing down the puck in you know in the corners like he's still having an impact and setting his teammates up and and helping his line along so even when you look at the stats line and you may not see him a lot you know on the points column it's it's a pretty good bet that he still had a positive impact 
And that's, I mean, that's a pretty good quality for any player to have, to know that even when they're not contributing offensively, like, they're still contributing offensively. Yeah, and he uh, showed up in quite a few of your, uh, your highlights videos, too. Yeah. I remember I had to keep looking back and forth between the um, the rosters you were posting and, and the videos. Like, okay, what number is this guy again? But, like, Tyler Bertuzzi, I already knew that 59 was easy to track, but, like, he was all over the damn place. Um I mean, just speaking f- truly from just watching your, your videos um, and doing, like, number tracking, um, Sveshnikov as well was, was all over the place. Uh, was there anybody out there that was kind of, like, still a little under the radar? Like, what's going on with, uh, like, Nastasiuk? Um, I'm not sure. Like, he's not... The style of game that he plays isn't necessarily... It's not a showy one. So it's easy, like even when he's having a really good game and he's he's doing everything that he needs to do, he's not a player that shows up in a lot of highlights anyway. And I know he is he played a lot of wing when he was in juniors, but then every time he's been with the wings, Blash Hills loved to use him as a center, and he seems to enjoy or thrive more when he is a center. Like he's he's a defensive center, and he's really good at it, checking line. And he was moved to the wing in this tournament, and I he said that it wasn't that big of a deal, but watching him, I felt like he was off a little bit from what he usually is, and and I don't really know why. Like he never he never, well, played, he never poorly, played poorly, but he just seemed like he was a little bit off. So I don't know. Like my my expectations of him haven't changed. Like I I don't think anything less of him as a player. I think it was just like it felt like there was something. Yeah you know, a little off, but in a four, in a four game span, you know, when you're watching for five days, it's really hard to tell if it's anything significant or not. It's a sample size is what it is, but, um, right. I mean, I didn't get to watch, obviously I didn't get to watch any of it. So, um, all I, all I really have were the, the, the tweets and then, you know, obviously when you uploaded, you know, highlights and stuff. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, with all the media that was there covering, you know, the scouting and everything, you know, Pronman obviously, you know, called it the Dylan Larkin show, which was probably true. I mean, he's probably one of the best prospects that performed at that at the tournament. You know, he's probably one of the most, he is the high, like, I think he's like the, the top blue chip prospect there. But, um, you know, I was, I was surprised that he didn't really note anybody else. I think he noted Patterson, didn't he? I think it was him. I yeah I'm I'm pretty sure it was and as much as at times it was you know the Dylan Larkin show and when he's out there like you you know that he's out there because he's flying around everywhere and doing everything and like spinning in circles and swooping in and taking the puck and doing all this stuff but for as much as he was a, a standout player I think it's also a testament that there were several uh, several other Red Wings players who were right you know right close with him. Mm-hmm. And no, I think I that, yeah. oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Anthony he's a he's he's a, he's a special kind of player. He's just he's got he, the thing about Anthony Sioux is that it, it seems like he has two gears. He has you know you know normal, and then he just has like hyper speed. You know, he's just he's quick, and he he just he turns it on so fast. You know, it's uh. You know, he, he when he wants to move fast, you know, he gets going and his, his first two strides are just insane. Um, and he just he goes and he can control the puck really well when he's moving that fast. I think that that's going to be something that, you know, 
with the NHL is probably he's going to have to work on that at the NHL level. But um, yeah, he's he's exciting. He really is. He's yeah. He's I think good. that his his acceleration is part of what makes him so dangerous because you'll watch him and like there might be let's say a puck battle going on in the corners and he's kind of like there's a couple players already in there and he'll be like watching and he can be at a standstill maybe out by it like in between the faceoff dots and. He will, it's almost like he senses that something is about to change or the puck's about to squirt out. And in an instant, he can go from standstill to just like he's shot out of a rocket down the ice. And sometimes it takes several seconds for other players to even react and realize that, like, what he's doing. And by then, I mean, there's no way that they can catch him. Yeah, that forechecking job he did in Dallas to set up the Larkin goal, or against Dallas, not in Dallas. Um, yeah, that gave me feelings. Um, mm-hmm. Like he dumped it in, he got it himself, and he wasn't the first guy to get to it on the boards. But he like took it away from that guy with space to move around behind the net to go out and feed it. Like he essentially defeated three back checkers on that play, and it was uh, yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, yeah and you watch special. him like he he goes back there, and it's so cool to watch him come out the other side with the puck as he's dragging three Dallas players like on his tail, just like a little train. And when he's got three players drawn to him that are like chasing him down well dylan larkin has a little more space and his line mates have a little more space and then you know with his setup and passing abilities it was just it it makes so many good things happen it it gives me feelings right um so um i guess you know there's there's a lot to be said about the forward prospects um you know what about the prospects on the blue line what about our blue liners you know who was Who's who is who seemed to have the you know who was the best who had that swagger to them? Well, Joe Hicketts and Vili Sarajarvi were the two best defensemen, which again is pretty incredible to know that you have an, an eighteen and a nineteen year old that were really good. Um, they're both really smart defensemen. They're small, but they're they're quick and they're mobile. Um, for the most part, they were on different pairings, but those two were were kind of the the anchors and helped provide dynamic offense from the defense. Uh, we got a first opportunity to look at um, Robbie Russo, who the Wings signed um, free agent out of college. And I thought that he looked pretty good too. The way the style that he plays reminds me a bit of Nick Jensen. Um, and then he's, he's a really good skater, um, pretty smart defenseman, um, very agile, uses, you know, his stick a lot you'll see him you know poke checking or or what and he was paired with uh with joe hicketts towards the end and and that pairing was really solid um ty stanton is an invite and he was an invite last year too and i was actually really impressed with him uh not that the wings really need more defensive prospects right now and i don't think that he's gonna be like he's not a star defenseman um but he was paired with Sarah Jarvie most of the tournament uh and th- I mean that was a really fantastic pairing too um I wouldn't be surprised if the wings kind of keep an eye on on Stanton maybe to the future contract yeah he seems to be all right but I definitely think that the Red Wings are they are not in a they they have to move they need to get rid of defensemen at this point um but uh yeah I mean we we covered it I I think that you know, I, I think that Sarge Arby is a great prospect. Obviously, he's small, but um, he'll grow. He's still just a boy. Um, 
you know, and then I really, I, I, I like Russo a lot. I thought he was really great at main camp, um, which we'll get to in a minute here. Um, I think that I, while I didn't really understand why they signed Russo, not that I'm complaining. I think it's great. It's a great signing. You know, you get him for a couple of years, um, and you know he'll basically. I you know I don't know what exactly where he's going to fit in, in the future, but you know whatever. Um, I still think that he's a he's he's a really good pickup, um, and I would much rather have him as a seventh defenseman uh, than Jakob Kindle. So, <laughs> but that's a. Yeah, it was it was it was good to get to see him. And I mean, okay, so you you pick him up as a free agent sign, like you you didn't give anything up to trade for him. So even if you picked him up and he was in Grand Rapids and he was a depth player, well, you really haven't you know didn't give anything up to get him. So yeah, yeah, and he's he's the depth guy tomorrow for the first preseason game. He's the seventh defenseman, which is weird, but whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So so uh, yeah. I mean, the the tournament was a great opportunity to get to to get to see him and see some of the other guys. Like, it, just to go down the list really quickly of like names of players that really were kind of top top of the team. Um, like obviously Larkin, Athanasiu, uh, Mantha was really good. Svechnikov, Tomasz Nosek was fantastic. Like I, he's he's ready to be in the NHL. Like. He's ready. He was all over the place, and every time he's on the ice, just it doesn't matter what you need done, he can do it. Um, who else? Tyler Bertuzzi was really good. Um, Hicketts, Sarjarvi, and then Patterson was fantastic. I mean, he was lights out. All right, let's bounce so it out. Who was the worst? Yeah, who on the team was a pile of crap? Um... Not necessarily a pile of crap, but just not as good as you want them to okay. be. Well, I, I won't go with the two goalies that never played, and they never got any playing <laughs> time because uh, Jake Patterson was so good. Um, Jalen Chatfield is a defenseman who is like, he he reminds me of kind of of Brendan Smith. He's like an ADD puppy, and he gets all excited out on the ice and goes all over the place, and then Joe Hicketts has to do extra, and he's like, WTF, mate, you know. So, <laughs> so <I> mean, <laughs> he's Australian. <laughs> In, in this scenario, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like. I would probably say him or, um, I mean, Jarrett Myers. That he's a huge yeah. defenseman. He's two forty nine pounds, but he never even played in a game. Right, but I mean, yeah, we could talk about the invites all night long. So I mean, nobody knows who they are right now. So I'm talking about out of the the prospects, the that you know who the Red Wings essentially you know own the rights to, you know, like their players. Um, well, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not the defenseman. We only have, we only had two, three, if you count Russo. Um, Dominic Turgeon. Adam Martin, no, got into a couple games. Yeah, well, he was coming back from a concussion, which is why he only, he didn't play until the end. Oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed with him. I was kind of pissed when he got like a breakaway and went in and completely whiffed on the puck. There was nobody near him. He just like lifted his stick up and took a swing and left the puck on the ice. <laughs> oh, he eaves did. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say like not bad, but just the least impressive might have been Marsh. It it might have been Nastasiak too. And I feel bad saying that because like he the kid never takes any like time off. He's always out there working his butt off. And that's also indicative of just how like how good our prospects were and how stacked the roster ended up being. 
when you can take a couple guys like that and say those were the quote unquote, you know, least impressive. So I'm I'm gonna okay. go with that. Well, yeah, that's uh, I think it's pretty. I think that I think that's I, to, to me that's not surprising. Um, I know that Anastasia is a great player. Um, you know he's he was he's you know he scored at a decent rate in in the OHL, but um, he, I don't he's not gonna be a scoring player. He's gonna be a bottom you know bottom player. That's just that's what he's going to be. That's fine. Um, and I I feel the same way about Turgeon. You know I, I don't think he's going to be his dad. You know. Um, oh, no. So, you know, he, you just have to, you, you have to make sure that you keep your, you know, your perception of these teenage athletes, um, you know, altered. You don't want to go nuts on it, but. Um, right. And it's just, I mean, it's just like when, you know, when you're talking about pros in the NHL, like different players have different roles that they fill. And it's the same thing with these kids. Like, not everybody you draft is going to be a prolific scorer. Like everybody has different roles that they fill. And a lot of times, whether they're successful in, you know, the Red Wings organization is going to depend upon, do the wings need someone to fill the role that that person fills? Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it. All right, cool. Well, so, I mean, so that was, uh, that was the, uh, the good old, um, prospects tournament. We have it, you know, they have it every year. It's a great event. Uh, if you ever have a chance to make it up there, please do. Um, it's a lot of fun, a lot of hockey, a lot of exciting young players. Um, and, uh, you know, who doesn't love exciting young hockey players uh, battling uh, for a the, you know, bragging rights and now the uh, Matthew West uh, Memorial uh, Memorial Cup, which is a very, very cool thing. Um, Mike Babcock, that's who. Yeah, well, Mike Babcock is... What? <clears throat> well, you said who doesn't like young hockey players battling. Oh, and... oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. He he hates yeah, he hates, he hates children. <laughs> he also does not like puppies. <laughs> So um yeah I guess that that just uh, that transition transitions us into the uh the uh, main camp the main training camp which happened this weekend actually uh finished it up today uh Michelle and I were uh, on the beat if you will there all weekend uh you know Friday Saturday Sunday and today Monday um you know it's it, it is what it is it's training camp it's you know it, it's basically the way they have it set up it's like a big hockey vacation for the for the red wings um it's like every day is like a boys day out you know they're all hanging out being bros you know playing you know playing hockey and then going and doing whatever they want to do in traverse city and there's plenty to do um so uh i think uh we we uh we were there um and uh, obviously uh you know there was there was a lot of uh there's a lot of questions going into you know into training camp um mainly with uh you know stuff hovering around Johan Franzen who got cleared so Franzen is playing he's going to play he is going to be in the opening night roster god forbid anything bad happens to him uh in the preseason um I think, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. I think that he looked really, really good in, in, at camp. But then again, it's just, it's camp, you know, and there, it's not full contact. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of questions there, I think. Um, it's not full contact, but did anybody hit him like at all? No, he didn't really, I mean, he didn't, you know, it, they're not, it's, it's not going to be like in a game where if you have the puck, you know, you could have. Right. No, some... there's always some hitting. Like, yeah, it was at it was at main camp. The uh, like when Tyler Bertuzzi hit was that Almquist he hit? Uh, was it Almquist? I don't know. I can't recall. I remember it was at main camp and Tyler Bertuzzi hit somebody and hurt him. But yeah, I figure. Yeah, the 
Franzen wouldn't be out there against that that kind of guy anyway. But yeah, no. I was just wondering if they were uh, if they were at least like kind of jostling him. No, well, there, I mean, I mean yeah, there was, and like there was a couple times that he got you know like taken taken to the boards or would take somebody else to the boards, you know, in like a semi aggressive manner. Um, I saw him go down, like get get knocked down a couple times when they were doing drills, and he he didn't seem any worse for the wear. So I mean, I guess that's progress. If he, you know, could go through at least that amount of physical contact and presumably not have any ill effects, like that's that's yeah. something. I mean, he did. He looked good. He looked really energized, and he had jump in his step, and he was. I mean, he was having a good old time, like harassing team. <laughs> he was um just giving teammates crap all over the ice and harassing them and taunting them and you know like grabbing a hold of them and trying to wrestle them around and stuff and i like seeing him have fun because he's always like i i think he always plays his best when he is out there having fun and he's you know pulling mouth guards out of people's mouths and just like being mule yeah he you know he was having fun um and that's great you know I, i'm glad to see him having fun but you know there's still that you know concern <laughs> um with okay. his health well, the other big and not too serious question because we'll get into the more serious questions later uh the new toys how do they look richards and green Ooh, well i think um uh well richards is i mean he looks good he's he was skating mainly with tatar uh and yurko um, which, you know, that was great. It was like, it was like, it was like two kids and a goat basically is what it was. You know, he's, even though he's not that old, I mean, what is he? 35, 34. So I mean, oh, he's, shit, I he's, he's, he's kind of old, but anyways, um, I might be completely off. He might be younger than that, but, um, I think that, you know, he's not, um, really, you know, he's not like fast, you know, but he's, you know, he's smart, you know, he sees the game really well. He has that veteran, you know, that that seasoned veteran, you know, intangible. Um he got a hell of a shot. Um and there were a couple of couple of uh instances where he scored some real pretty goals, like some really, really pretty goals, uh um, you know, during the scrimmages. So I think that do I am I am I excited about him as a first line center? Not really. Um but I think, you know, as a, a bottom nine guy, I would I you know, I think that's I think he'd be great. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that top, you know, being our top center and eh, it's a little, makes me a little nervous, but I think that he knows the game so well that I think he'd be all right. Um, and being with skilled players like Tatar and Yurko, if like that becomes a thing, which I hope it does. Um, I think that could really ignite him. Um, cause I don't really remember, recall who he was playing with in Chicago. Does anybody, was he yeah, playing with Hosa? Like, yeah, it was with Hosa. So, okay. So he was playing with a, another like old skilled guy basically. Um, yeah, like he got a lot of, of high quality, uh, teammate right. pairing. So, yeah, but I mean, Tatar is probably, it, Tatar is better than Hosa. So, and <laughs> Yurko wow. will be eventually. So, um, good for Richards. Um, on the other hand, uh, Mike Green, um, big fan of him. I always have been. I always really did like Mike Green, the kind of defenseman he is, because you know he's always known to be that offensive, you know, weapon. Um, and it, he really put it on display 
Um, you know, you could see he just, um, you know, he, he moves the puck. He has, uh, he knows when to shoot and when, when to pass, you know, the right times. Um, he controls the puck really well on the blue line. So if he, if you're on the power play and he's the one directing it, basically, um, he does a really good job. Um, uh, he is also really good you know, in his own zone, I think, because when you think about it, players like defensemen like this, um, he, he's a good passer. So his first, his, like his first pass is crisp. It's quick. Um, and, uh, I really like that about him. Um, and, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch on three, three on, watch him on three on three, because the way that the three on three is structured is that the uh, the defenseman will join the rush. Like the defenseman might be on the breakaway. You don't. It's it's basically you know it's a free for all. And uh, I think that you know there were a couple of times during the three on three scrimmages where he would you know carry the puck in and just go to the net. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, so I think he's a he's a damn good damn good pickup. And I think it's a, the kind of defenseman we've we've really needed. And him being paired with the Kaiser is perfect, and I think that even Blaschel said, um, you know, that Green is an elite player with elite skill, um, and uh, he said that he's going to take his chances on him. So I think that we could very well see Green and a Kaiser as a top pair at some point. Yeah, yeah I, I really hope we do. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think that'd be great. Joe, what were you saying? Speaking of the defense, did you? I know it's a lot to take in during main camp, but did you ever get a sense that, you know, one of the things we've been talking about with the new hiring and with a new head coach, Jeff Blaschel, is that he's planning on getting the defense involved in the offense more aside from the three on three scrimmage. Did you no- yeah. notice any anything about that? Not even, even just beyond green, but with any of the other defensemen or the other defense pairs? I noticed. Yeah, no, I mean, that you, now that you mention it, yeah, I did notice that um, even a guy like Erickson. He kind of, I don't know. I mean, he, he was still kind of a, you know, Eric, like even today in the red and white game, he had one really good defensive play in his own. Like he did, a, like he made a really nice play, and he he got the puck. You know, he took the puck away from from the attacking forward. Um, but then he turned it over right in front of Howard, like point blank, turned it over and almost. Like he left Howard out to dry, but the puck handler wasn't close enough to get to gain control. Um, and Cronwell had to bail him out, basically. Uh, you know that you know that's just that's just peak Erickson. But um, yeah, I mean, in three on three, Brendan Smith scored a breakaway goal. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of weird to see. Um, but I think that I, I the standout to me was the Kaiser and Green. Um, I think that there's a that the Kindle Smith pairing was you know offensively it was good. It seems like they were you know getting active around around the net and you know shooting a little bit more and and uh, and, and and making crisper and cleaner passes. Um, that pairing still scares the shit out of me. And then um, Quincy, I mean. I don't know. I, I I think I honestly think Quincy is probably the the like he's just he has to be the odd man out at this point. Like he's he just he didn't wow me. You know he obviously he's he's a boring defenseman. That's what he is. He is a boring stay at home defenseman. Um, you know, and and that's just what he is. And I get it, but you know, uh, outside well, I know of Michelle that, and I had talked earlier today about Kyle Quincy, and and we also 
kind of went over uh, what George Malik was saying about Quincy throughout camp that he was like very boring. Um, yeah. It was almost like he was like he's assured of his position. And Kyle Quincy's job on the Red Wings, like he is the mean guy on our defense. Uh, that's he's the the crease clearing, cross checking, uh, nailing guys into the boards, punching people on the back of the head when the refs aren't looking. Um, you know, we never really thought of him like that, but that's kind of his job, and that's obviously he's not going to be doing that in main camp. So yeah, and I don't know whether it's like it's unimpressive by design because like he is specifically holding back or or what's going on. I'm hoping that I, I think that's what what it is because it's it's weird thinking of Quincy because there kind of isn't a spot for him. Like it, it doesn't make sense to have him on the third pair, but why the hell not? Um, but Michelle, if, if you wanted to expand on that, yeah, well, just I mean. Quincy was paired with Marchenko, and I don't personally like that pairing. Like style-wise, I think it's a mismatch. But Quincy, like Quincy individually, he just to me he was there. He wasn't bad. Like he didn't stand out as a guy that sucked or anything. But he was just there. So if I was looking at it from the perspective of nobody has a guaranteed roster spot, if I just looked at it as an audition for defensemen, he would not be on my team. And I don't. I, I do think that he's going to be on the team, but he was just, I mean, he was just there. And yeah. we, I don't know. I keep going over the, the defensive roster in my head and I can't, like, I, I don't have a place where I want him to be, but he has to be there. But, you know, we were talking, going back a little bit to the different defensive systems and having defensemen jump up into the rush and the offense more. A lot, a lot of the drills that Blash Hill had the guys doing centered around defensive zone breakouts, neutral zone breakouts. And it involved using the defensemen very actively. It relies on mobile puck moving defensemen who can, you know, either get the puck up from the defensive to neutral zone on their own or who can, like, there were a lot of drills where he would have the defensemen pass it back and forth between each other a couple times and then up the boards to a forward or whatever the case is. Like, he had them practicing breakouts and coming through the new, like, coming through the neutral zone with speed. So there were some drills he would have. All five players on the line start from a standstill, like in the corner or behind their own net, and blow the whistle, have them jockey in a position a little bit, stop, then move them again. And it was about getting the puck quickly along the boards and moving it quickly up ice. And that relies a lot on the defensemen to do that. And so that's where, you know, a guy like Quincy, I don't, not that he's a not a bad skater or not a mobile defenseman. But when I look at some of the other players, like watching DeKaiser and Green, for example, and the pairing of Xavier Willette and Nick Jensen, like those are two pairs of very mobile, uh, puck-moving, smooth defensemen. And when you watch them in the drills and watch them in the scrimmages and the red and white game, like that makes a big difference. And that kind of feeds into Blash Hill's system where not that a stay-at-home defenseman or a shutdown defenseman doesn't have a place because they do, but it's not, he doesn't rely on it nearly as much as Babcock did. Like, I feel like Babcock got to the point where it was almost like a crutch. You know, it was stifle offense from defensemen to try and take the safe route. And Blashill's not about that at all. You know, forwards or defense, but noticeably from the defensemen. Defensemen can take risks. Focus on 
moving the puck up ice, doing it with speed and precision. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, there are two things that I watch for from these guys, especially in like camp. One is when they make mistakes, how well do they recover? Because everybody's going to mess up. But when I watch the smart defensemen, like I saw Nick Jensen do it a couple times today where there was like a flubbed pass and he had people hot on his tail. Like there was pressure. He spun around, grabbed the puck anyway, and skated with speed around behind the net. Like when you mess up, how how do you recover? How do you react? And And the other thing is when you make a mistake, are you making more mistakes than you're doing good things? Like basically with Blash Hill, as long as the good outweighs the bad, it's okay. Yeah, um, I mean, moving on to other things with Blashill, the way that he, uh, um, the, the the differences that he makes. Um, basically, what 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 I see, what I see, and what he told we, what he told me was that. Um, so Glenn Denning has been playing in the, in a in a top in in a in a he doesn't like to call it top six. He calls it bottom nine, or uh, I'm sorry, he yeah he calls it you know the bottom nine. Um, he doesn't call it top six. He doesn't use that term. He doesn't. I guess whatever. Because I, I don't ask me. It's a. It's a. It's a blashalism, I suppose. Um, he said that when I asked him if Glenn Denning would be is that is that going to be his spot? Is he going to be on the second line playing wing? And obviously, the way that they, that they have um, all of the lines and, and, and teams uh, set up for preseason, um, he what he said is everything's an experiment. He is. He is basically throwing shit at the wall to see if it sticks. Um, and, uh, you know, so you might see, like, tomorrow you're going to see Luke Lindenning on the top line. He will be the top line winger. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it sucks. But um, the way that Blashill made it seem is, um, you know, he thinks that, because when I asked him, I was like, you know, Babcock would usually have him playing against players like Tyler Johnson or Sidney Crosby or Patrice Bergeron. And it's just like, is that what his plan is? Is he going to do that? And he said, basically, essentially what Blashill said is that he thinks that Glenn Denning can skate with any of any player in the NHL, um, but uh, he can't just be a defensive forward who is going to be stuck in his own zone uh, and, and 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 you know just being a shutdown guy. Uh, if if you is what he said, um, he needs to he he'll need to you know they're going to need that fourth line or wherever he's at needs to produce offense. So. Uh, that's the thing is that if Glenn Denning, you know, produces offense, um, you know, more offense than what he was last year, then, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll get moved up. But I think what it sounds like is that he's going to be a bottom player, um, a bottom nine, as Blashell says. Um, and if he produces offense, he will be moved into a, you know, a more primary spot for the team. And I think that, you know, I'm, Babcock, I don't think Babcock ever really put it that way. You know, I, I at least you know, I, I I don't know. I don't I, I don't remember him ever putting it in, in that in that way. Um, he never really justified why why Glenn Denning got the the usage that he did. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I'm really curious about seeing. Like Michelle was talking about the uh, the the more layered breakout, which I'd like to see because I think that part of what cost the Red Wings last year in doing their uh, low event style was that essentially they didn't have 
very much pressure coming out of their own zone. Usually they could get two people uh, across their own blue line to get up ice, but by the time they did that, the opposition always had to, uh, and most of the time they had three people, and so really it was not, it was a slog through the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Like you could get you could get maybe all the way up to the half boards carrying the puck in, but from there, like, you had to wait for support to get there, and it's just there wasn't a lot of scoring on the rush. It was a lot of cycling, waiting for an opportunity, um, because you spent so much time in the defensive zone letting them cycle, waiting for an opportunity. And it, it did work, but aside from the layered breakout, what I'm really curious to see is what they're specifically doing differently in the defensive zone. Um, are they going to have the center a little bit more aggressive, uh, trying to take pucks away or trying to pinch up at the points? Because they didn't really, they didn't, they didn't pinch at the points very much last year. They didn't really like their their um, weak side winger was. He was generally the fly guy, but I mean, he wasn't. That guy was not taking jumps out of the zone very quickly, and so obviously they weren't forcing a lot of breakaways or odd man rushes. So yeah, aside from the layered breakout, I want to see what their plan is for getting the puck away from the opposition when the puck is in their zone, because um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how differently that can happen. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm. I. I don't know if that is going to be. Um, I don't know if we, obviously. We're not going to know, um, or, you know, just by watching it at, at camp, um, what it's going to be like. Because um, everything changes when you're actually playing other teams. But um, it, it does seem like they really, like, in, in a lot of the drills, um, the main focus was moving that puck quickly uh, with as few passes as possible, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, Babcock always was like that. You know, you, you, if you play defense fast, you play, you know, you play, if you play defense fast, you play off more often. You play offense fast. That's just, that's his mindset. So you want to get that puck out of the zone as quickly as possible. Um, and I think that that's what they're going to uh, really focus on. Um, and it's, that's, you know, I, it looked yeah. good to me. Okay, there's two defensemen that we haven't talked about that we're going to talk about a lot, um, and I want to get uh, Kyle's and Michelle's take on on this, both from mm-hmm. uh, what you've seen and, and what you've heard. Uh, what is the status with uh, Brendan Smith and, and Jakob Kindle? These are both guys that uh, Blashill is is going to give another chance to blossom. Um, obviously, I mean, right now they are number six and seven on the depth chart, right? I mean, what what do you see happening with them or changing with them or, or the status? Um, how it looks right now is that Blashell has them paired together, which is horrifying to me. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe it's they, there was at one point last season where they they were paired together, and there was one point I was like, oh, I kind of like this. This is like this isn't so bad. Um, uh, but I think that honestly, I think we're not going to see it a, a, a change from. I don't. I just don't see it from Smith. I don't know if he has it. I don't know if he has. The I don't know if he can be what we want him to be, and that is a solid defenseman who can play well in their own zone, uh, not make stupid mistakes, and provide offense. Um, and when I say provide offense, I mean more than twenty points. Like he needs to be producing more than twenty points. Like so, like the production he had last season was absolutely unacceptable for a defenseman like him, um, without a doubt. Uh, so and he, and and in a sheltered role too. And you can argue, you know, he doesn't get power play time, um, which Blashell said that he is going to give him some power play time in the preseason, uh, along with all the other defensemen, uh, you know, just as experiments to see who is who can do it. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I've kind of officially 
thrown thrown in the cards on Brendan Smith. Um, I don't expect him to be that guy. I don't expect him to be a thirty point defenseman, you know, and uh, a guy that you can you know count on. Um, he's just he's like I don't know. He just makes these dumb shit mistakes all of the time, um, yeah. and uh, it's just not gonna it's not gonna fly. Uh, Kindle, on the other hand, um, I still think that Kindle can possibly you know provide something um and that is offense um i think that he can you know he's he can shoot the puck with the uh with the way that he has with the way that blashell has his defenseman you know activating a lot more and being more um you know not so much risky but just you know making the right decisions when to be quote-unquote risky um i think that kindle could you know be a, be a guy that I would you know be pretty pretty confident in you know obviously for the remainder of his contract and I'm I'm not trying to keep him here any longer but um I don't know but the thing is is that if it came down to it tomorrow and they needed to make room for a defenseman um who gets who gets bought out and that or not bought out but put on waivers and the obvious choice is Kindle um just because I don't know what I mean it how long has he been here? Um, they just re-signed Smith, so I don't know. You know, you can't really. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Kindle's twenty-eight years old. You always think of him as that like developing kid, first-round draft pick, but he is twenty-eight. I mean, that's yeah. he's two years older than Smith, and Smith is getting long in the tooth to be this developing defenseman that we're just like right. waiting to to not be bad anymore. Uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, yeah, Blashell's system may may change everything. Um, I, yeah. I don't know that I will with, with Smith because I, I think that you're in some, and I know that Michelle's in the same boat with Smith. Um, yeah, but, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I'm like I'm I'm done with him because I I don't think that even even like on the best case scenario where let's say you know Smith gets a a new lease on life and he can flourish under Bap, or under Blash Hill, I think that even if Smith was flourishing, it still wouldn't be that good. I don't think it would be that much better than he is. I think for the most part. He is the kind of defenseman that he is. You know, he's going to make stupid decisions and do stupid things. I saw him in the red and white game today. He was out on the ice at the time with Xavier Willette, and he was behind his own net with the puck, and there were, like, two players coming at him, and Willette was along the boards, open, tapping a stick, and he was right in front of me, and he was yelling, wanting Smith to pass him the puck because he was open and he was ready. And Smith, like, looks up, looks around, and then decides to try and skate the puck out himself right beside the net with players coming at him. And they took the puck away and took a shot on net. Like, that's a stupid decision. <laughs> and that's the kind of stuff that Brendan Smith does. And I don't feel like he's he's always done that stuff. And I don't see, like, I don't see a maturation in that area. So I feel like he's pretty much as good as he's going to get. Like, he is what he is. And to me, that's not good enough when I look at other options that we have. I do think, like, I don't, I don't expect a whole lot more from Kindle, but of the two of them, I think, I think that Kindle could improve more under Blashill than Smith would. Um, I, I think that Kindle, I guess, has more potential in that area, if you will, but I still wouldn't uh, hesitate to send him pretty much anywhere else, largely because of other defensive prospects that we have who could come up and i think at least fill in if not be an upgrade okay so let's call it, let's say 
that we do not have eight preseason games to get it figured out by playing everybody, and that we do not have uh, waiver considerations, which we know are going to fuck, screw everything up, um, that we can just pick the seven most favored defensemen in the entire organization, and we can put them on the opening night roster. Um, you don't have to have Erickson on there if, if you don't want. Uh, who are you taking, Michelle? Um, well, I'm going to keep Cronwall. I definitely want to keep DeKaiser and Green together as a pairing. I'd probably put them as my top pairing, maybe even. Right. Uh, I really want to see... I, I think I want the Willette jensen pairing. I want both of them up, and I want them paired together because they they do beautiful things together. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Um, I... I'm still kind of torn on Erickson. And then, so that gives you five defensemen. I'd like to have Marchenko on the roster, but I don't know. Like, pairing-wise, would you put him with Cronwall in a second pairing? I don't know. I think, like, Lashoff is not a good defenseman, but if I had somebody that I wanted to be the seventh defenseman and literally sit for, like, 95% of the games, I would be okay with leaving him there as a guy that sits. So if you had Cronwall, DeKaiser, Green, Willette, Jensen, and Marchenko. That's a big turnover. You've got Quincy and Erickson gone. Uh, yeah. Robbie Russo yep. is like your ready five at that point, right? Because there's, there's basically nobody left. In the, I mean, Sproul, too. Uh, that's like your Ew. Grand Rapids prospect pool if somebody gets hurt. Yeah, and I think like I I think I would do it. And the other, the other reason that I would... F- probably be okay with doing that much turnover on defense because if you bring three rookies up it's definitely a risk I mean there are going to be mistakes and lapses but then knowing that we have a really good goaltending like two really good goaltenders makes me feel better like they can make up for some defensive mistakes and allow these kids to grow yeah and you know what I like about it it's first of all I told you like there's no limit so I can't say oh you gotta be more realistic after saying don't worry about it um but, like, one of our biggest concerns is we don't have a great defense. We've got, like, a bunch of guys who are like, ah, they're pretty okay. Um, you turn over the roster as much as, as you have here, and I think we've got a good gamble that, like, some of these kids are really going to shine under pressure. Um, and by the end of the year, it's entirely possible that we could have a great defense uh, by taking the gamble that, that they're going to develop like that. I like that. Yeah, and... And if they didn't, how much worse would it would could it realistically be? Like if you take a an okay defense and you do that much turnover, if it didn't pan out, would you be that much worse off? And at least you would know if the kids can handle it or not. Yeah, I mean potentially yes, but yeah, who cares? Yeah. Kyle, what's your uh, what's your seven? The seven, if I were to have going into the regular season tomorrow, um, uh, I'm going to be realistic here because that's just that's I, the best way to You're go. You're a for downer, me. okay. Yeah, I'm gonna be a downer. I'll be the I'll be the I'll be the dipshit downer. <laughs> um, uh, Cronwall Erickson, that's not that's not changing. Yeah, stay the same. It's not changing. Uh, not because the coach don't doesn't want to, but apparently they don't want to play with anybody else. So um, Cronwall Erickson, DeKaiser Green, uh, I wouldn't mind flipping the two, uh, putting putting Erickson and uh, Cronwall under some uh, easier competition, um, uh, and then. So this is where things get a little weird. Um, who do you pick as your seventh, you know, your bottom pair, seventh defenseman? You've got three guys available right now. So if you can't trade Quincy, which I don't think they can, uh, I don't think they will have a buyer. Um, uh, and, and then uh, if you can't trade Jakob Kindle, which I, 
I don't know if they, I, if they can or and I do know that they're probably not going to put him on waivers because they're essentially okay. they could essentially lose him for nothing at that point. Um, so let's just go ahead and, and assume that we have those three. Um, I don't want Smith or Quincy together. I've seen that. I've I, that that ship has sailed. I don't want it. Um, give me give me Smith and uh, give me Smith and Kindle and make Quincy the seventh man. Alright. Even after you said that was horrifying? That was a horrifying pairing? I would rather I just I would rather have two guys who can score who can score and it just I don't see Quincy as an asset. Like I don't I don't see it. Like I'm not calling him a bad defenseman. I'm just like it's he is like it's boring defense. They don't like stay at home defending is so obsolete in this league. You have to shoot the puck and hit the net, and he just doesn't. So, yeah, and that is something that Michelle said. Like especially with Blashaw or Blashill, Blashoff, Jesus, um, <laughs> with Blashill's like offensive, you know, puck moving defenseman guys. We don't have a, a fantastic skating defensive core uh, to begin with. Cronwall has, has lost a step. He's not as mobile as he used to be, but he still moves around all right. Um, Erickson is. Like if you average out the people who say that he's a garbage skater and the people who think he's a like a six foot five ice skater, um, I think he's an he's an all right skater. Um, De Kaiser moves pretty well. Uh, Green is is probably our most mobile defenseman um, out of everybody, including Marchenko and possibly Russo, who I haven't seen, so I can't I can't. Quincy is probably the worst skater. Um, yeah, pure speed. Like he he gets around. He's solid on his feet. He's hard to move around. Um, which is kind of weird to, to say, but like Erickson is the guy like he doesn't use his size, and that's why you you think he's not as strong on his skates because like he he has more trouble pushing people out of the way. Uh, where Quincy is, it's more solid when he's trying to stand still. But yeah, moving the puck up the ice, um, I would say it's probably a heat between Quincy and Marchenko. And I think uh, like, having watched Marchenko last season, I think that all of my concerns about ha- him looking slow was just like he's got a funny gait. I think that like, he actually moves well. Yeah. What about you, uh, Joe? So before I say my seven, I do think Quincy is tradable. If we're talking a little a realistic for a little bit, because we haven't pulled, we haven't really gotten into many preseason games yet, and inevitably some guys somewhere around the league are going to get injured. That's just the nature of the sport. That's just the way things go. So depending on how Team X's roster situation shakes out and their injury situation develops there could there could become a buyer for Quincy whether or not it eventually whether or not it actually happens is another story but I just wanted to throw that out there um I don't know I'm not as down on Quincy as everybody else seems to be I think I don't know if I don't know if you take the Kaiser and Green and make them their own pairing that Detroit really has another puck mover that can alleviate Quincy's deficiencies in that department because I think if you're a good puck mover in the NHL, that means you're able to do it under pressure. And even if you were to put that pairing together, let's say Quincy and I don't know, I'm not very good with this because I don't have a list of names in front of me. Let's say Quincy and Cronwall. I think Cronwall would be good enough to like you couldn't you couldn't just say, oh, just target Cronwall and make Quincy have to beat you. I think Cronwall would be good enough to beat that strategy by himself uh, in terms of my uh idealistic seven let's go with to kaiser green i don't want smith i might have kindle be my seventh guy actually 
The Kaiser Green Cronwall Kindle. And then who would you put on the third pair? Probably Jensen and Roulette. So that's how many guys do I have now? Cronwall, sorry, Cronwall, Green, DeKaiser, Jensen, Willette, Kindle, and Quincy. All right. Well, not bad. Okay. So let's uh, let's go ahead and do the uh, forwards. Um, and that's just uh, with the roster that you have right now. So Datsuk's hurt. Helm is hurt, which obviously he's out for two to four, two to four weeks with the shoulder and concussion protocol. Um, so who knows if he'll actually be back or not. Um, uh, so my top line, I think, is going to be the, as of right now, I think it, it has to be the, it, it could be, it, it, take your pick between the Zetterberg, Advocator, Nyquist line, and the Richards, Tatar, Yurko line. Um, and then your bottom six, essentially, uh, what I would have is, um, um, I would have Larkin, Polkinen, and then I would move Shan to the wing. Um, yep, I would have Shan on the wing, uh, and then your fourth line. I know I don't want to miss. I don't want to. I want to make sure I'm not forgetting anybody here. Uh, yeah, I want Ferraro, um, and then I want Glendening and No Shack. Who am I forgetting? Uh, Dan Cleary, Drew Miller. Oh yeah, I'd rather have. I yeah, yeah, I'd rather. I'd rather, board, yeah. I'd rather have Ferraro and no check than Drew Miller, but that's just me. Um, so I'd have Drew Miller as the extra guy. So yeah. somebody drinking out of a dog dish. Uh, yeah, that would be my dog. Sorry. No, I, I, that's relief. Um, I just want to make sure it wasn't like a person. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's Mr. Butters. Anyways, so what what about uh, everybody else? Uh, first, I want to see like what was your uh, impressions of like everybody wants to know about Larkin. He's as good as advertised in main camp too. Like he yeah. totally belongs NHL caliber. Yeah, yeah. He he he's he I mean he skates with the best. Like okay, and you said the Mantha's he, having a lot of fun. Which yeah, Mantha's having a lot hear. of fun. He scored two goals today, and they were very nice goals. Uh, they were on the backhand. You know, he he drove the net and he went right to it. He went at, went after it, and Nosek scored two goals too. Um, but I think that Larkin, in terms of skating, uh, Larkin is probably the best skater on the team. Um, and I say that with confidence. And not not just out of prospects, but on the entire team. He's probably the best wow. skater. The way he skates through the neutral zone is is a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think Athanasiu is fast. But in terms of strides, um, control, and, uh, you know, just ability to have, like, you, you know, magnificent balance, it's, it's Larkin. He's, he's, he's up there. Um, he's a, he's a, a lot of fun to watch. And I think that uh, Red Wings fans are going to like watching him with Vulcan in um, a lot uh, in the preseason because that's who he's playing with tomorrow. He's playing with Vulcan in and Mantha. Mantha. Yeah, that'll be a fun line. Uh, I also yeah. think that my um, another big impression was Svechnikov. He's not going to be in the NHL or the AHL, but uh, he's something special, and I think he's the real deal. So um, he's just like a shark, you know. What it's like, he just goes after the puck when it when he sees it free, he goes after it, and then like you know, he just he he he's crafty with the puck. He he can handle it, um, and he's just got a shot that is so accurate and so powerful, and it's just like his wrist shot is it's. It's good. It's real good. So yeah, uh, go. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to collect my thoughts there. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's so tough with Larkin because I do think that he. I want to see him growing up in the NHL, and I don't know how much he has to learn from the AHL other than how much more of a grind a professional season can get than what he is used to uh, playing at the the college pace with uh, like Team USA events thrown in there. Um, because jumping up to like because if Dylan Larkin is going to play. 10 games in the NHL. He's going to burn a year of his ELC. Um, and so, like, we're going to start clocks on him faster than we otherwise would. If he's going to play 10 games, I want him playing 82 games. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You don't send him down after 20 games. That's a stupid Edmonton kind of move. So, like, literally, the I don't know, like, if literally the only thing that I think that he would benefit from in the AHL is just getting used to that, to that grind. But I don't know how much he really needs that versus how much he needs NHL level competition because no I mean you fully knowing well that AHL defenses will let you get away with shit that NHL defenses will not let you get away with um and I mean but the kid is is smart he's driven um uh, he's probably not going to be in in too much better shape for for the rest of his life so yeah I don't I don't know how much of, of the grind we have to worry about but hell just get him in the lineup. I, I, I don't know, though, with he's got we've got Athanasiu and Noshek also as centers who should probably be getting, be getting their chances real soon uh, based on their age, based on their skill sets. Uh, for some reason, we're probably going to have Anderson in our lineup on opening night because um, he's I, I don't know why he's been playing center and Glenn Denning has been on wing the, the basically the entire camp. Unless Blashill is like, well, I know Glendening can handle wing, or I know Glendening can handle center, so I can just move him back whenever. Uh, let's just give Joachim Anderson a chance to either hold his spot for him or maybe perhaps win a spot, because obviously Anderson has, has history with Blashill. It's positive. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this is a good opportunity to, like, to really get more kids in the lineup this year. I, I agree with Kyle on, on the top two lines uh, as it stands. Um I think I would have Zetterberg as the top line and, and uh, Richards as, as line two. Um, if we don't have Larkin on line three, yeah, I, I do want Shea in there, but I don't mind moving him to wing either. Um, honestly, in the bottom, like, three or four forwards, I kind of don't care. I want Yurko and Polkin in there every night. I want Franzen in there every night. I want all of the good players in the lineup, and I want all of the bad players sitting. I forgot Franzen. Sorry. No problems. What happens? All right. Um, do you guys okay. have any uh, any other thoughts on that? I don't know. I feel like I feel like ex- experimenting a bit. I mean, I really would like to keep Zetterberg at wing, even with all the injuries that are currently happening. I don't know. I maybe if the, if this is only spot duty until Dotsuk returns, maybe Zetterberg, Richards, Tatar, and then uh, Nyquist, Shea, and Franzen. I feel I feel a bit insane suggesting that, and then Yurko, Noshek. Polkinen or Larkin Polkinen, and then Ferraro, Athanasiu, Glenn Denning. Okay, uh, good, good, good stuff. Um, uh, Michelle, anything from you? Um, I like. I'm trying. When I put, I went through and quickly put some lines together, and I also forgot Franzen. And when I'm trying to go back and figure out like where to put him in, I don't have a good spot to put him. I mean, obviously, he's going to be in the lineup. Um. I would actually consider moving Abdulkader off the top line and putting him down like on a third line, possibly a fourth line, 
with the stipulation that the fourth line isn't going to be a typical fourth line. Like, you know, I with the way I think that Blashill is going to use his lines, I think it's there's going to be a lot more uh, equal ice time and usage between the lines and especially the top three lines. But I think Zetterberg has to be your top line center until Datsu comes back. Like, I don't, I haven't seen anything from Richards that makes me confident in having him as the top line center. And even if Zetterberg isn't an ideal, like, permanent top line center, which, I don't know, I mean, the the guy can handle it. I know that Zetterberg can handle that top line center. Um, I want Yuriko and Tatar together. And I almost don't care who their center is. Like, it, it doesn't have to be Richards for me. Because Yuriko and Tatar are two very good players, and they've always had great chemistry together. And if you want to put players in positions to succeed and have a productive line, I want those two guys together. Um, right. So even, you know what? You could even take Abdulkader off the top line, put Richards there, and I would be willing to try Shane at second line center between Yurko and Tatar. I'd do it. All right, right on. Um, okay, so moving along to the, uh, you know, that pretty much wraps up uh, the training camp thoughts. Uh, could go on it more, but uh, there's other things to talk about, uh, bigger things to talk about. And um, uh, just uh, as a as a trigger warning for you all here, uh, some of the happenings around the league with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and Patrick Kane uh, with the the rape investigation that's going on right now. We're going to talk about it for a little bit here. So uh, you know, if uh, if you do want to skip out on this, there will be a time mark in the post and uh you can just go ahead and uh do that at your own discretion that's up to you um but uh, i'm just gonna hand the wheel over to jj uh because i feel like he probably has the most to say as of right now so jj go ahead and take it over yeah i mean it's the the story in the nhl right now that i don't want to like really talk about it because it's just such an awful thing like it, it takes away from the enjoyment of the game like the fact that the that it's supposed to be an escape for us like you know, we, we we get home from a long day of work, and, and we just kind of like slough, you know just slough all the shit off and watch hockey, and that's just what we want to do. Just want to watch hockey, and this what Patrick Kane is accused of, and I don't know if if he's guilty or not. And I, I, we're not looking to to say anything about that, um, but the thought of of what he's accused of is so heinous that it 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 takes away from the game, and I think that the concept that he is at training camp right now and forcing it's making it's on the forefront there it's it's in everybody's head um whether we we like it there or not i mean i guess if you want to pretend like it's not an issue then that's fine for me as a fan it's an issue it's it's harder for me to be a hockey fan uh thinking that this this unknown is is out there it's just it's such a distraction and the fact that the hawks have Kane in camp, and actually they're talking about it. he's probably going to play on Tuesday. Um, and the fact that they had that terrible press conference where they pulled him out, like to just defiantly say, "Here I am. Let's not talk about this." Like you can't just say it's it's a non-issue um, because it, it is. And one of the things that I, I keep seeing out there, and I, I just want to make sure that that this gets covered, is a lot of people seem to think like this is a case like there's a labor law issue where Patrick Kane cannot be suspended. Like, their their hands are tied. Um, he's not been charged with a crime. He's not been found guilty of anything. So they literally are powerless to do anything to stop it. And that's absolutely not true. And I just I want to clarify that, that piece. Um, 
Article 18-A uh, of the CBA specifically says, because that's the um, commissioner guidelines for uh, discipline for off-ice conduct, um, specifically gives them the authority to, if the player has done something which brings negative attention to the league, he can be suspended. And what Patrick Kane is accused of in this whole situation is negative attention for the league. It's a distraction away from the excitement for hockey coming up that uh, that we all want to feel. And so they don't, they're obviously, they're not going to suspend him without pay because that is an issue that just nobody wants to fight that. And I don't think the NHL would be able to win that. Um, send him home with pay saying, listen, we are an entertainment league. We are a league that sells people on the concept of um, we want to root for these people um, and we can't, it's hard to root for Patrick Kane so go away until we can get this stuff figured out Um, a lot of people are like well you you can't punish the guy for for not doing anything wrong, honestly it's not a punishment, it's you are being a, I mean it is a punishment to to the process that he's being a distraction and that is something he did He's not losing money. He's not losing anything on not being in training camp. Um, I mean, the guy missed two months of the regular season last year, and they still went on to win the cup. I think that I think that if we have to delay things for a month or, or three weeks um, while we get stuff figured out, we might as well do that. If things change in the future, then let's adjust to the changes. But right now, having him in camp, I think, is an awful idea and a bad misstep by the league and by the Blackhawks. Um, that's that's it. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I think that it is a. I mean, and I'm I'm I don't want to I don't want to draw it out because we could obviously talk on this for hours and hours. But um, what the Blackhawks are doing right now is slimy. It's disgusting, um, and uh, I just I can't get over how much it is making me consider reevaluating the loyalty that I have to the NHL. Uh, not like I'm going to stop watching. Uh, just uh, I might take on some different, uh, you know, uh, different priorities with, with this. Um, uh, but anyways, um, does anybody have anything else they'd like to add on the, on the, uh, the Kane situation with the Blackhawks and, uh, and, and, and all of that's going on currently? No, I think JJ covered it pretty well. Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, I mean, uh, just to, to switch, you know, flip the switch a little bit here, we're going to go back into talking about the prospects. Uh, actually, Michelle, she's going to give us our prospect report uh, for this uh, for this episode, um, talking about the prospects who were not in uh, Traverse City, uh, the ones who are elsewhere. So, uh, Michelle, take it over. Many of the Wings prospects haven't officially started their seasons yet because they've been preoccupied with the prospects tournament and training camp in Traverse City. But with the Red Wings making their training camp cuts earlier this week, most of the junior players have been returned to their teams and will get underway very shortly. Meanwhile, in Europe, goalie Jordan Van Pottelberg has played three games and has a 1-2-0 record. He has a .873 save percentage and a 3.06 goals against average. Julius Fatalo has played four regular season games so far and he has one assist to show for it while averaging 10 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time per game. Alexander Katekin has played four games since the last Prospects report and he hasn't registered a point yet in his eight games this season. It's really hard for me to know what to make of him. He's only averaging 7 minutes and 40 seconds per game. Christopher N has played four games. He has one assist 
assist, two penalty minutes, one shot, was 48.9% on faceoffs, and he's averaging 14 minutes and nine seconds of ice time per game. Schlefti's regular season has gotten underway, and Axel Holmstrom has one assist in two games, is averaging 16 minutes and 10 seconds of ice time per game, and has 64.29% on faceoffs. In the BCHL, Chase Perry had left Colorado College after a really rough season last year, went back to the BCHL, and is playing for the Wenatchee Wild. In three games, he has a 3-0-0 record, 1.34 goals against average, and a .934 save percentage. In the USHL, Patrick Holloway has played two preseason games and has one goal, three assists, and two penalty minutes to show. Most of the junior players' leagues are going to get underway with the regular season very shortly, so things will start ramping up pretty quickly. But for now, that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Alrighty, well, uh, I think we've reached the part of the uh, the show where we're going to start um, rifling through the questions that um, our lovely readers um, and uh, uh, listeners um, have asked us in the comment section. Um, so, yeah, let's dive right in. Uh, first one is from uh, a dill soccer or a deal <laughs> soccer. A, a, I, I see a dill soccer. Um, with training camp nearly over, which it's over now, do you see certain players who you believe will be traded that you don't believe would be before, or maybe players who are now totally convinced will be that we are convinced that will be traded? Uh, personally, for me, no. There isn't one. I don't think they're going to be making any trades. I don't think it's going to happen. They, I think that they probably want to trade someone like a Kindle or a Quincy, uh, but no. Yeah, that's no, pretty I- much where I am. It's basically... It doesn't really matter at this point whether or not they want to trade someone or whether someone deserves to be traded. I just don't think Ken Holland is going to make a trade. Yeah, and I think it doesn't necessarily matter how much Blashill might want to trade or might want to get rid of a couple defensemen to bring a couple kids up. That ultimately falls to Ken Holland, and I don't feel like Ken Holland is ready or willing or able. Like I, I feel like we're stuck with everybody. JJ? Tinker. Yeah. Just a, just a no. There's a, it's just a no as of right now. Um, all right, so uh, from Andrew12, uh, which team does Dan Cleary finish with the season? Uh, finish the season with Toledo, Grand Rapids, or Detroit? And uh, of all junior invitees, who impressed the most and who do you expect to be invited back to next season? Um, I think Dan Cleary finishes with Detroit on IR. Toronto. <laughs> Fair. Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, you can go ahead and uh, answer the question and then go ahead and uh, give your thoughts on the junior invitees because I honestly don't know anything about any of them. And personally, I don't, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't know much about them. I know, I knew a little bit about Barrier, but he, you know, obviously broke his leg. So um, I thought that he was close to maybe getting a, a, a contract, but not now. So. Yeah, well, I I agree that I think Cleary is going to finish the season with Detroit, hopefully on IR, because honestly, that's the best case scenario. I don't I don't want him in Grand Rapids because I don't want him playing there and taking up a spot. And there's no way that he's going to Toledo. Like they, that's never going to happen. So my best case scenario for Dan Cleary is that he's with Detroit and he's hurt all year, and that's really sad. But that's my best case scenario, and I and I do think they'll have finish on Detroit. Um, of the the invites, guys who I would expect that the Wings are keeping an eye on and might bring back next year, I do think they'll bring back Verrier um, for camps next year. Once he's healed, he is going to um, play college hockey, I believe, at McGill. Uh, he probably won't be able to play until sometime in January or February, but that's his plan. Um, 
I think they're going to keep an eye on him. I think Ty Stanton is somebody that we'll probably see back, um, the the defenseman. Um, those would be my two, my top two picks of guys that we'll probably see back. Um, All right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think those they look good. I think they picks. look. I think they look good when I saw them too. All right, from uh, Acharya. Uh, why am I so drawn to the Red Wings when I am a Tampa fan? Is it Datsuk? Um, quick answer to that is because uh, Tampa is stupid and the Red Wings are way better. And I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. And yes, Datsuk too. So um, well, the other answer. The other answer is that you know you're actually a Red Wings fan, as we all proved over the summer with the photo caption contest. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, she's also a, a Toronto fan. Um, yeah, I don't. I I do not understand her her hockey fan. <laughs> it's like Toronto um, and yeah. the answer why she's so drawn to the Red Wings when she is a Tampa slash Toronto slash Orlando Solar Bears fan. Um, the Red Wings are better. Uh, their fans are smarter, um, more attractive. They yeah. smell better. Mm-hmm. Um, they smell way better. Uh, they have like, they have that sense of when to invest uh, in in mutual funds. That's like it's just perfect. Uh, like to get the most return. Um, they're really good at the the claw game in arcades, like winning teddy bears and stuff. Um, it's just weird. It's it's almost like we're we're just better people, and so you have to be drawn to the Red Wings, uh, especially compared to Toronto fans. Um, Tampa fans are actually Tampa fans are actually good people too. Uh, there's just not as many of them, and they don't know as much, and they're like they're just like cute. They're like, oh, it's a sweet little Tampa fan. Um, but we're uh, we're adults, all of us. Yeah, that's true. Even the kids. So, anyways. <laughs> I feel like that's. I feel like JJ wrapped that up pretty well. Um, uh, from our sizzle, uh, Timu Polkinen, odd man out. Uh, quick, quick answer is no. Um, based on what Khan post lineup posted in the red and white teams, the top four lines, um, uh, he. I think that our sizzle might have been a little bit. I don't know if he really. I don't know. The top of so he's got Abby Z, Nyquist, Yurko, Richard Sitar, Franz, and Shane Lindenning, Miller, Anderson, Ferraro. Um, Polkanen was in play. He did play in the red and white game. Uh, he played with, uh, who the hell did he play with? I can't remember. Um, but uh, he, he goes on, so he or she goes on and says, leaving Polkanen, Larkin, Nosek, Athanasiu, Cleary fighting for the 13th scratch forward. Um, which would obviously be Polkinen based on his waiver status. Uh, my question is, who do you do you see this as a reasonable likelihood? Um, no, I do not. I don't think they're going to scratch Timu Polkinen, um, or you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I think Polkinen is going to be a part of the team. He is going to be a weapon for them, um, and I'm expecting, uh, you know, I'm I'm expecting a full season from him. So. Yeah, I think the, yeah. the way that Arsenal came out with this was that it's essentially the top two lines from the red team and the top two lines from the white team are, are stacked to make four lines. Mm-hmm. And Polkanen was on the third line of, of his team today. Right. So, I'm sorry, yeah. Michelle, I interrupted you. No, I would. I was just going to say that there's there's no way that Blashill would make Polkanen a healthy scratch. Yeah, how That's do you go, never... like, his AHL coach all season? Like, oh, hey, thanks for scoring more goals than anybody else. Uh, in the whole in the- league, um, yeah. So now you get to be sitting me the thirteenth. Looking at that lineup, uh, I would rather have uh, Polkinen in, in, like, because like Glendening on a third line winger. No, um, 
I would rather no, have Malkin in than Miller or Ferraro or even Glenn Denning. Although I would move, I would have Polkinen as the third line winger there, and Glenn Denning would bump Anderson out of the fourth line. Yeah, you got to find room for Polkinen. Yeah, that's what I would do. Is I would put if if your top two lines were set like that, I would put Polkinen with Shea and Franzen, knock Anderson out, and put Glenn Denning in. Like, there's there's no way that you have Miller, Anderson, Ferraro, and Glenn Denning who are all going to be in the lineup over Team with Polkinen. It's not going to happen. Uh, Joe, anything on that? Okay, no, 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 nothing from Joe. Okay, um, uh, from Holmstrom ninety six. That's okay. Did you have anything you want to add? It's going to be on the opening night roster. All right, I like it. I like the way you think. I think that you are a handsome gentleman. Um, from Holmstrom ninety six, uh, who is winning the fourteenth forward spot out of camp so far? Camp's over. So, would you want it to be Larkin? No. Are Nosek or Mealy the better options because they could play bottom six minutes? Um, no. Not for a 14 forward. Uh, these guys, Mealy, maybe, but you, you're better off having them in, in Grand Rapids playing there. Uh, Nosek and Larkin are two guys that absolutely, it is top, it is, you know, it, 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 it is opening night, it is on, on the, you know, top 12 or nothing. You're either in the core of a, you're either on one of the four lines or you're not with these players. Um, and that's just how it is. They're not going to sit a player, a top prospect like Dylan Larkin, um, uh, just for, because, you know, he's at the NHL level, uh, you know, that, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to stroke their own ego there and say, oh, look, we have so much depth that we're just sitting our top prospect. Uh, no, they'll either have him playing or they'll be he'll be in Grand Rapids developing. 14-4 yes. should be Ferraro. Or um, not Ferraro, but um, uh, Anderson. Yeah, Anderson, Ferraro, Miller, and Callahan are, like, are basically the bottom four forwards. They're all waiver eligible, so um, and there's like tons of guys above them so any one of those you want to technically call number 14 they can rotate them in and out um because the rest of the skill guys that you've got if you want to replace somebody in the lineup higher in the lineup like let's say for instance johan franzen gets hurt early in the season um i mean you can always like pull somebody up who is not waiver eligible and and deal with it there and other than that you just cycle in like anderson can sit in the press box all freaking season for all i care right um so yeah they larkin and Oshak, they will not i think that they have players like anderson or whatever and then moving along uh holmes from 96 asks would it be possible that the red wings run 13 forwards and eight defensemen that is a very interesting thought because i think that might be something that you could consider um why not you know you have you want a young defenseman they want to start implementing these young defensemen like marchenko jensen uh the only way you're going to do that right now is if you have eight if you have eight defensemen up so that's that's a, that's a really interesting point, and I think that that's something that I think they should be willing to uh, entertain. Yeah, I'm intrigued by it, but at the same time, the way that the waiver situation plays out, it's less likely to happen specifically for that reason. We have seven waiver-eligible defensemen, and nobody else is. So, like, Jensen, Marchenko, Ouellette, and uh, Russo can all be called up, sent down at, at a whim, and we've got so many waiver-eligible forwards that like they're, they're going to have to wave an extra guy to get down to 13 forwards. I'm not against it because you're waving Anderson or Callahan or, or Ferraro, or, Ferraro or, or Miller, and that's a big deal. 
it's it's one of those things. I, I just don't care. So yeah, I wouldn't be against it. I just don't think it's going to happen. Right. Okay. Um, I think it's a. I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Might be worth it. Um. So what else do we have here? Uh, there's been a lot of talk from our from Red Wings uh, twenty six one thirty five. There's been a lot of talk about Tatar and Nyquist stepping up, specifically this article from the Detroit News, which they linked. Uh, do we see a changing of the guard in Detroit this year? Uh, from a leadership point, Pavin Zia, the heart and soul of this team, yes. Um, but do we see? Do you guys think that we're going to start seeing a uh, uh, you know a, a transition there? I mean, I think it's already. I think we're already well into it. I mean, Datsuk, if not led the team, he was among the team leaders in scoring last season because he was finally able to play more than 40 games. Uh, But Tatar and Nyquist have led this team in goals and have also been among the team leaders in scoring for the past couple of seasons already. So... Yeah, is it is it probably it's probably a matter of them producing more in terms of absolute numbers because we're talking about guys in Datsuk and Zetterberg. Zetterberg's a former forty goal scorer. Datsuk once posted ninety seven point seasons back to back, and Tatar and Nyquist haven't reached those levels of production yet. But in terms of changing of the guard, I think we're already well into it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it's just kind of tough to to say. Like, you know, you can't really predict those things. But I think that that's well said, that we're already well on our way there. Um, uh, does anybody else have any other thoughts on that? Nope. Okay. Um, we have a lot of questions. This is great. Uh, from our sizzle again. Uh, over under on see, uh seeing five NHL games this season. Um, under. Everybody over. else? Okay. That scares me because that means we, we're – the injuries yeah that seems the, the entire reason i said under is i'm willing to believe that we are going to be healthy enough that uh, athens does not get an opportunity yeah so i say under um just out of sheer terror michelle yeah i think it's under but the fan in me cannot wait to see it like there's part of me that's like maybe something could happen and we could at least see him in a few games but i think it would take um I think I'm. I would not wish the level of injuries upon us that it would take to to get him called up and and see five NHL games. Yeah, you could set the over under at two, and I'd take the under there too. Um, that's just me. He'll just have to tear up the AHL again. Well, he needs to play, he needs to play a full season there. Um, yeah, a healthy season. Uh, Sveshnikov, should we read into his uh, retained red and white? rosters at all is there any chance he has of the griffins for the regular season nope it's with the red wings or it's with his chl team um that's just the rules they're strict with that stuff um basically he's gonna go back to the qmjhl uh the red wings obviously are gonna get free you know basically free uh development out of it um so um i think that he could step into the ahl and be a, be an impact player but, uh, you know, the Red Wings, that's just not the Red Wings' way of doing it. Um, yeah, we'll and obviously they can't. But We'll see what happens after Cape Breton's season is over because it should end before the uh, the Griffin season is over. So he may end up right. joining Grand Rapids late. But, yeah, it's it's a CBA rule. If uh, his junior team wants him and he's uh, not 20 years old or, or older, um, then they literally cannot send him to Grand Rapids uh, without breaking the transfer agreement and getting sued and all sorts of bad, stupid things happening. Yeah, so that doesn't happen. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, 
let's see. But it does say a lot about what the what the Wings see in him that he is still a junior player that's on the preseason roster. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I would like so, to see yeah. him get. I would like to see him get his ELC soon, though, uh, which I assume we probably will see soon. Um, projected lines from Adrian. What? Uh, we kind of did that. Didn't yeah, we, we kind of already went through that, and I think Larkin does make the team. Um, so yeah. Uh, sorry, Adrian, but uh, you by now, if you're listening to this, you already know what we think about that. Um, let's see. Uh, do the wings maintain any rights? Uh, I don't know. Nope, not on the note. From from WJR, he was asking about uh, he or she was asking about the camp invitees who were released. Uh, do they maintain any rights on them? The answer is no. They are free agents. Um, JJ and I just read that. JJ answered that. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Way to go, Kyle. Yeah. Which top prospect <laughs> makes the opening night team from Jonah Steffes? Larkin, Nosek, or Burt? Uh, I, it's Larkin. Larkin. If it's got to be one of them, it's going to be Larkin. Yeah, it's it's Larkin. Yes. Larkin. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have say that, like, why not Nosek because he's 23 and we may as well give him his chance now. If we kind of know that Larkin is going to be staying down there, let's just keep Nosek up because he can, like, obviously he's better than Anderson, um, and he can actually play that role. He's, like, we don't want Larkin playing 10 minutes a night on the fourth line, um, but maybe that is something that Nosek starts out by doing and then uh, grows as the season goes along. Yeah, I'll change my vote. I'll say Nosek. Okay, fair enough. You can be different. That's fine. Um that's that's okay, JJ from Kansas. Um, from JLA nineteen ninety one. Uh, so I think that the line of Nyquist, Shea, and Tatar could be something extremely dangerous, but I don't know if that will happen because Blash is kind of hinted towards Tats and Nyquist being separated when they uh, when he said he wants them to start carrying their lines. What do you guys think of that line combo, and what are the odds that it could happen? I like that line combo. I think it's great. But I don't think it's going to happen because uh, Nyquist and Tatar are core players at this point. They are they are going to be relied on to be top six players. They, both of them will be in the top six. Uh, and uh, Shan, I don't know if he's going to be a top six player. Uh, and I simply just think that they want to keep them split up for the time being uh, to essentially keep the offense uh, well spread. Uh, I think it's just... Uh, you know, it's a good problem to have, but um, yeah, I think that Tatar and Nyquist should probably just stay on separate lines because I like what Nyquist does with Zetterberg, and I really like what Tatar did with Datsuk. You know, obviously Datsuk isn't healthy, but I think Tatar with Yurko is going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I worry if you keep that line together, then you've got like Zetterberg and Richards and Atlocator, I guess, or Zetterberg, Richards, and Franz maybe as yeah. like your other top line, and I worry there's not enough speed up there. Yeah, it is a it is a very slow top top three if you had that going on, like especially in the two centers, like Richards and Zetterberg, that like you have to be able to skate fast to be a uh, like you know center, um, and if you're not skating fast, you need to be just a, a damn good skater and just really efficient. Um, and Zetterberg skating is not what it used to be. He was he's never been a quick skater, I I don't think, but you know he's just he's a guy who is purely. Uh, he just you don't notice his skating being you know not you know not great because he just is always in the right spot at the right time because he's just smart and he gets it um but yeah they're gonna need more speed up there and i think that uh they need to main they need to keep speed maintain 
throughout each line. So uh, to put Tatar and Nyquist on the same line together would be kind of, you know, limiting them from doing that. I think that's what Blasha would do to spread it out. He always did that in Grand Rapids. You would look at, you know, he talks like we don't have a top six. It's a basically a top nine. But a lot of times it would be hard to tell which of the top three lines was your top line in Grand Rapids because he would try and like make them all as stacked and even as possible, mm-hmm. which, you know, works out pretty good. So I feel like, yes, he would keep them separated to spread it out. Kind of like, you know, Datsuk and Zetterberg being separated to spread the wealth. Hmm. Um, okay, here's one, and, and this is, it looks like this is the, uh, the last one, and this is from JLA 1991, too. Um, uh, future captains. So, I mean, who do we think could be the future captains of this team? Personally, I think that, um, you look at a guy like Nyquist, I think he could potentially be captain material one day. Uh, he just, when you, when you talk to him, you know, during the media, he's just, he's very humble, he's very well, he's speaks very well um uh you know he's he's a great player obviously um and i think that i would put him i would put my bids at nyquist or larkin larkin would be my my top candidate right now just from not even from a like skill standpoint but when you talk to him he's very intelligent he's very articulate um you know he will answer your questions but he does it for a kid he does it in such a professional manner Mm -hmm. and his work ethic and his attitude and everything uh screams that he would be i could see him being definitely a potential future captain not to put any pressure on but yeah yeah, I think Nyquist would be a great choice. He's, he's got a like a strong cliche game already, um, but I think like it would mean more to Larkin. And I think like it, it's one of those intangible things that the, I think that throwing the C on Larkin would uh, like almost it would improve Larkin more than I think it would improve Nyquist. And that's such a weird thing to say because like I don't know how exactly how much it would improve them. But yeah, I think that being like being given the mantle of that responsibility is something that I think Larkin strikes me as the kind of kid who would really like to have that. Um, and I'm not sure Nyquist is. Yeah, I'm not. I agree with that. I think Nyquist might get an A at most. I'm not sure he... I'm trying to think of a way to express why I don't think so that he would be a candidate for captain maybe it's just because that larkin even though he has yet to play an nhl game just seems more suited for the role even at this stage and also considering that you know zetterberg is probably still going to be on this team for a while and by the time he eventually retires you know larkin could be 24 25 years old and that's not that's that he's not a, he wouldn't be a young guy anymore he could be a guy who depending on how many years he's been in the nhl he could be a guy who's one of the veterans that can lead the team and take the mantle after zetterberg yeah this is a better story too like better because part of the, being a captain is like the pr job of that like what the team gets from naming a kid captain and larkin is like he's the local kid he's the, the yeah i mean that's perfect it really is Although we all know that, like by twenty twenty, the team captain will be Dan Clary. Yeah, that's damn just it, the JJ. Given. You read my mind. <laughs> he'll be the only one left alive. <laughs> he'll, he'll be honorary captain, and he'll drop the ceremonial first puck. He'll be the only one left alive because he will have eaten everyone else. 
Yes, the war with Australia will have killed us all by 2019. Uh, Dan Clary will be the only North American hockey player left alive. Uh, he'll be the only player in the NHL. He'll be the captain of the Red Wings and every other team. Uh, he'll win the Norris and the Hart. Um, not the Selkie, the weirdly enough. Yeah, just not the Selkie. Uh, <laughs> we will all burn knowing that Dan Clary is the he outlived us all. <laughs> Well, that's depressing. Thank you for that. All right. Well, I mean, that's a a good way to end it. Uh, That wraps up the reader questions. Um, Preseason starts tomorrow. Against Chicago. Um, Or potentially yesterday or the day before yesterday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Tuesday. You guys are killing me right now. Um, Yeah, so preseason starts today. Great. Um, (laughs) In Chicago. uh, Won't be broadcast here in Detroit, but I'm sure you could find a uh, frowned upon link that would take you to a magical corner of the internet that will show you the game. Um, You... Would probably want to watch because the the third line the 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 second line of Polkinen, Mantha, and Larkin is going to be fun, and the fourth line of Ethanasiu, Svechnikov, and uh, who's the other one? Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. That's going to be a lot of fun too. So um, Howard's got the start. It's going to be good times. Uh, I don't really know who's playing for Chicago because they have like one prospect, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think most of them are Ice Hogs. I know that Kane might be playing. Uh, I don't know. They haven't really released anything. Uh, so I think we're going to see maybe, a, you know, a handful of the, um, I, you know, I think we're going to see Anisi Moff and, and those players. But uh, outside of that, uh, I think the Red Wings are going to um, shit stomp the sh- Chicago Blackhawks. I'd be down for that. So, uh, any uh, any closing thoughts, uh, folks? I have one. Okay, we're approaching my favorite time of the year, winging it in Motown's bold predictions. Now, I don't know if these have already will have already started by the time this gets this podcast goes to a post, but either way, I want to encourage all the readers to think about your predictions and maximize their boldness join us in the comments post your five boldest predictions and we'll see who ultimately is right at the end of the season although we already know that the answer is me okay it's gonna be me oh my my well my that- predictions are really good i think mine are better ah, they're, they're weak all right folks well uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and close this one out thanks for playing along and uh we'll see you next time go wings Winging it. I'm winging it, Motown. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it.